Today we conclude our series on the Grim Sleeper. First, we'll discuss the controversial story of Detective Ricky Ross and the shady way his murder charges were suddenly dropped by the LAPD. Then, we'll discuss the final years of Lonnie Franklin, looking at his short stints in jail, his last murders, and the unconventional method used by the police to obtain Lonnie's DNA and eventually bring him to justice. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought part one was wild, stick around. Wait till you see what happens when the grim sleeper awakens from his hibernation. This is Necronomapod. this past weekend Ian, a bucket list item for you now checked off the old haunted museum sack bagans <laughs> how are you feeling Ian? <laughs> it was pretty cool in there you had some cool stuff there were some some cool things in there some creepy stuff just we don't need the gimmick stuff yeah it was yeah, the stuff that was in there was really cool. I wish it was just a museum and not like a whole like show type thing. Yeah. Because that gets just corny and not fun. He's but in love with his gimmick stuff. Yeah, he, he really it. is. But the stuff they had in there was really cool to see. It like, just takes away from it, though. Like I'm, right. I'm some of that stuff. I was like into the story and it, like, like, oh, man, that's super creepy. And then it's and then it turns into oh this person passed out this person fell and broke their leg and like uh, like patrons of the museum they show like videos <laughs> yeah. of like patrons passing out you know and they're like oh gotta believe that just um, brew Jared was there with us yeah when we were watching people pass out in the video I leaned over to him said you won't do that <laughs> he didn't do it <laughs> that's the wrong guy to make a dare to as well I thought I one. thought for sure because he was being a little rowdy in there. <laughs> Uh, Dave did not join us. He was too afraid of Zach. <laughs> Thought he was going to uh, hit you, right? I uh, I was terrified. Yeah. No, actually, Mike had me out at White Castle at 1 a.m. the night before, <laughs> and um, I had some stomach problems <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> that White Castle was so good, though. Oh, my God. My stomach was dying the next morning, so I uh, <laughs> I slept for a while and did not make the, the Zach trip. Which is probably good because it was two and a half hours. It was yeah. very long. That's a long time. Yeah. Because they had to take you to every exhibit or every room and you had to watch a Zach video and explain yeah. everything. Like, I just want to go through that at my own pace and like look at things. Or like, I wish they had like one of those apps where you can like hit it and it'll like tell you like about the thing that's in front of you. you yeah, know, absolutely. Like, like numbers, things, music. and you could just listen to the. Right. Yeah. Or even just have a little video in front of it playing on a loop that if I want to stop and watch, I can or I can, you know, walk the fuck on. They had a serial killer room that was pretty incredible. I think Ian said it was like a Necronomapod greatest hits in that room. Yeah. Like everybody we've covered, they had stuff of. Yeah, um, he had some really interesting stuff. He had like some of Charles Manson's ashes in there. The it's gown. The gown Manson was wearing when he was at the morgue. His mm-hmm. body was in. It had like still blood droplets on it. That's Lock, pretty cool. Like locks of his yeah. hair. Original Gacy paintings. He had Bundy's kill kit. 
This one was a, a hot topic of debate whether or not it was a shoot, but they had allegedly a Kevorkian's van that we walked yeah, up we to. Yeah, we were really saw. debating that. Mm. But that was that was a whole room dedicated to just that. He probably bought it sight unseen, obviously. <laughs> well, that was the whole bit is that I think it went missing at one point, but somebody alleged that it had been crushed and destroyed. Uh, not Zach found it, though. We got to think of something to sell him that you can't quite prove the authenticity on. Yeah, like he had uh, Ed Gein's shovel in there as well. I'm like, I don't know about that. You could have just grabbed the rusty shovel and threw it up there. <laughs> right. That's not signed by Ed Gein, right? <laughs> That's not very unique or anything. <laughs> I forgot about that whole uh, Ed Gein shovel. Um, and cool. Go ahead. No, go ahead. The celebrity room was pretty cool, too, other than fucking Patrick Swayze's tooth. Yeah, that was <laughs> weird. Real weird. That's bizarre. Just because it's his favorite celebrity, or he's his favorite celebrity. Oh, is that what he said? Mm-hmm. I missed that part. That's the only reason the Patrick Swayze stuff was there. Hmm. Why do you have his tooth? That's weird. I have Amy Winehouse's last tampon. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are wondering. <laughs> she seems like the kind of gal that can use tampons. <laughs> I have no need for that. Stop it. Um, uh, so that makes sense why they had that there. Yeah. Because there was like nothing creepy with him. It was just there. Mm-hmm. But then they tried to like like spice it up and gimmick it. And they're like, and here is his passport photo taken two months before he got his uh, cancer diagnosis. He was literally dying in that photo <laughs> and didn't even know it. Yeah. That is what was weird. said. Yeah, that is word for word what they said. What a weird guy. Uh, Cause I'm like, why am I looking at his passport? Like who gives a fuck? Alas. Um, we didn't do like the VI or RIP that it was called. Yeah. And then it was weird. Like that wasn't at the end of like the, the tour. It was like right in the middle. And we'd have to just like stand there and wait while this other group got to go into the, did we not tell you this Dave? Yeah. I'm like this other group got to go into the basement. We had to stand there in the hallway. And then the other group got to go through like whatever those tunnels were, which I wouldn't have fucking walked through anyways. Mm-hmm. And we had to just kind of stand there or wait at the next room. Like it, it should have just been at the end where like they could keep going and we could just leave. That makes sense. Guy standing there like paupers. He couldn't afford the uh, right <laughs> VIP tour. I'm actually. I wouldn't want to give them another dollar for that one. No, it was, it was a decent upgrade. It's like thirty bucks or something like that. And you get a T-shirt. Yeah. Don't forget that, pal. Or you can go to the gift shop <laughs> and buy one for forty fucking dollars. <laughs> so, anyways, All right. if you're in the Vegas area, maybe check it out. Maybe not. Who cares? <laughs> You're into that stuff. There is cool stuff in there to see. There's yeah. a lot of cool stuff. That that severed head or decapitated head was cool. Um, wasn't sure I quite understood the whole Dybbuk box thing, which is like the big gimmick of that place. Yeah. Um, the story behind that's really cool, but then Zach ruins it by saying that everybody fell over when they walked past it. Or um, he, he did that whole video with Post Malone. Yeah, he had a whole thing with Post Malone where they were in there doing stuff together and then it's something and zach got into like a trance and fell back against <laughs> yeah. the wall and post like they showed video of this and post couldn't shake him out of it and that, so, so they dumb. ran out to the parking lot and stared at each other for 30 minutes at which point they saw a black shadow week like cloud go across the parking lot <laughs> shortly after that post malone was in a real bad car accident was almost in a plane crash and his house was burglarized you can't make that up dave <laughs> That's proof positive there, buddy. I think Malone went on Joe Rogan's podcast and talked about it, right? Yeah. They showed all of this in, mm-hmm. while we're sitting in this dark room watching this little video. And that's what I mean. That completely takes away from Any the whole. Yeah. Like the post- box, like all of it. It's like, okay, well, you just ruined it by doing yeah. all that. 
Yeah, create more like the less you say, the more mysterious it is. Yeah, yeah. just let me look at it. Let me know what the story is behind it, and then just look at yeah, it. Yeah, let my mind play my own tricks on me. Don't show me this stuff. You got to go in there, like go in there again with your AirPods on on uh, noise <laughs> cancellation mode, and then just Google about the individual things and teach yourself. No, no phones, no oh, yeah. phones, pal. No phones. They were strict about that. Mm. They they're were like, super. They were like, even if we see it light up in your pocket, we will come to remove it or yell at you or something. I don't know what they said. I can't control my phone if it's in my pocket, Zach. They want you to turn it off. That's what they were hinting at. No. <laughs> you can't give away all their secrets. <laughs> you can't give that away. So anyways, it was a good time, though. I don't know. It was was cooler in there, right? Like we were out of the hot sun. I don't know. There were parts that were stuffy, but it was yeah. better than walking in the, the heat. There were a couple of parts that were making me super tired. Because I was already high, of course. Oh, I thought because you were partially possessed. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it was so warm in there. Like, I was just getting sleepy standing well, in every, some of those it, rooms. There was no light. It was dark, yeah. too. So, Oh, it's 110 degrees outside. You can only do so much, right? But not of some real life terror. I'm going to finish up Grim Sleeper. Where we left off on part one, Anitra Washington survived an attack from the Grim Sleeper. And the 25 caliber bullet pulled from her chest was linked using ballistics to a series of nine murders of young black women, primarily sex workers in Los Angeles. Then almost within the same breath, a nine millimeter gun used to murder three different women of the same victim type was linked to LAPD Sheriff's detective, Ricky Ross. Ricky Ross. <laughs> <laughs> not that Ricky Can Ross. Can we confirm they are not one of the same people, right? Uh, confirmed. That has been confirmed. I'm glad we settled that. Ricky Ross. <laughs> that Ricky Ross would never do such things. Never. Do you see that clip? That pool party? Rick Ross is uh, on the diving board and his knees give out and he falls <laughs> off and goes in the pool. That's <laughs> no. fucking brutal. That's how you use oh. street cred, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> That's not great. Every day he's drowning. <laughs> On February 23rd, 1989, LAPD Sheriff's Detective Ricky Ross was sitting in an unmarked LAPD car with a sex worker, 21-year-old Joanne McGee, when an on-duty officer pulled up. He was trying to rescue her from the streets and turn her life around? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's nice of him. Ricky Ross was caught smoking crack with, <laughs> what, what, what? with Joanne McGee. He was arrested for smoking crack and soliciting prostitution. Ballistics were ran on Ross's LAPD-issued 9mm gun, and it was linked back to the murders of sex workers Judith Simpson, Cynthia Walker, and Latanya Johnson. So they have two of these guys running around at one time. Well, and last week we went over six other ones that were eventually caught that were responsible for some right. of these murders, too. At the same time. Yeah, there's like six or, you know, maybe even mm. as far as eight operating. Then around the same time, you have Richard Ramirez operating on the other gonna, side of town. Did, I didn't know if he had ended yet by this point, if they had caught him or if he was still going by late 80, 80s. It was He was done by now. By then, yeah, yeah, I believe so. But while the... The earlier ones. Yeah, the Southside Slayer murders were happening, like 84, 85. Mm -hmm. I wonder if all those guys knew each other. Like, do they have monthly meetings and compare notes, get together? <laughs> right. Give tips. A little round table. Like turf war, like, all right, you can only have this block here. I'm, I'm working this block over here. Ross was charged with their murders and sat in jail waiting trial. Then on May 15th, 
1989, out of nowhere, the LAPD dropped the murder charges against Ross because, quote, the results of the ballistics test were wrong. I couldn't find any reasoning out there, like looking through old newspapers and stuff. Like what was wrong about the ballistics test? It just seems like I looked too. I didn't see anything. It just seems like, yeah, it was, it was wrong. That's the same stuff the LAPD said 20 years earlier in the Bobby Kennedy investigation there, you know, there was stuff with Mm -hmm. ballistics like, Oh, it matches up clearly with Sirhan's. Well, but it says here it doesn't No, but our notes say it do. And we're, we're sealing those files now. Mm -mm -mm. It's the same kind of tomfoolery. So that guy, uh, he 100% killed those women and got away with it. Uh, it's probably pretty likely, right? Yeah. So you think there's like, don't do it again. Fucking people are going to find out about this. All right, now go. <laughs> he re- They allowed him to resign in his resignation. was just one sentence. It was like, I will not. I will not kill any more black sex workers, <laughs> nor do crack with them in an unmarked police vehicle. I resign. Well, because he was suing him for reinstatement. Yeah. And they came to the agreement. They let him resign. Probably because they're like. Yeah, we know full well that you killed these three women. We're going to let you go. Yeah, it would be interesting to figure out what exactly happened. Like, was someone else involved? Was there a political scandal? Was Did someone fuck up the evidence so bad that it wouldn't be admissible in court? Or just an LAPD cover-up. Or just an LAPD cover-up. Could be anything. This isn't a good look. The optics of that would be terrible, though, if a cop was killing sex workers. Yeah. Maybe they assigned him to do it. There was one we were talking about recently the, when the the police officer at, acted like shocked at, you know, like he's killing sex workers. Like he's cleaning up your neighborhood. So what are you mad about? Yeah. What was that? We did. We, that was real. Was it this one? I think it was this one. <laughs> was it? Yeah. I think it was this. Yeah. It might've been in the documentary. <laughs> and I was reading about the author who uh, we'll talk about later that wrote a book about this that said that when she started asking questions, they were just shocked. She, they're like, you know, it's, Sex workers, yeah. Sure, you're on the right case here. <laughs> what did they? Uh, what was what category? It was like not human. Uh, NHIs, no human involvement. Yeah, that tells you everything you need to know. This is all a really wild coincidence because the serial killings pretty much stopped with the arrest of Ricky Ross and Ricky Ross <laughs> Nitra surviving an attack from Lonnie Franklin. I'm sure some of the murders between 89 and when Lonnie struck again in 2000 were committed by other serial killers, but the murders, um, the LAPD's Southside Slayer Task Force was focused on stopped. It seemed like the LAPD just crossed their fingers and hoped that he had gone away for good, whether the killer moved, died, or was incarcerated. It didn't matter. The problem was gone. They never told the public that they knew for sure a serial killer was operating in the area. Because remember from last week, they knew that nine murders were all connected to a 25 caliber gun, and they didn't inform Anitra Washington that she was the sole survivor of that killer. So when Ricky Ross was arrested, the community and even Margaret Prescott, who was the loudest supporter of the sex workers, thought it was done. It was a major, probably major injustice that Ricky Ross was just let go, but the killing was done, it seemed. Mm. Do we know whatever he went on to do or did he just resign and then was never heard from again? That's the last thing I found was that he resigned. Yeah, I couldn't find anything either. I was also curious. Like, I just wonder if he did go on, you know, went someplace else and started killing again and just was never solved. I'm sure no. He's probably, you know, got a police officer job somewhere else, right? So small town somewhere, Kansas City or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't sound like anything would follow him through life. He could just get another job. 
just a cop. He just resigned. That's it. Mm-hmm. And it was for real one sentence. And it was super vague. It pretty much, he pretty much just said, I resign. He's probably still out there. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. What about the boy? Jason, we didn't find any boy. He's Where is Ricky there. now? Perhaps he's still out there. Perhaps he's still killing. <laughs> we might never know. I heard he moved. Now, to- please enter this next room. <laughs> Patrick Swayze's tooth. <laughs> After Lonnie unsuccessfully tried to murder Anitra Washington, he went dark for a couple years until February 25th, 1993. I read he was in a sleep apnea study. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because his sleeping was so grim that he was trying to <laughs> Damn it. get some better sleep. <laughs> Did he really get you on that one? I thought I was like, oh, is that what he was up to? <laughs> God damn it. Wow. In part one, we talked about how Lonnie was really good with cars and he was really good at stealing them. So much so that the LAPD considered him one of the city's largest receiver of stolen cars and car parts. They had him under surveillance and on February 25th, 1993, he was arrested as he and his son Christopher were working on a car that turned out to be stolen. The LAPD found a treasure trove of stolen cars and parts in Lonnie's garage, and he was charged with six counts of grand theft auto. Lonnie pled guilty and received one year in county jail, but because of overcrowding, he was let out in four months, which mm. I thought grand theft auto is like a really serious crime. That's pretty serious jail time. I can't believe they named a crime after a video game. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. When you have a garage full of all this stolen stuff, you're out in four months. Well, look at all the serial killers we talked about. Maybe like, oh, I just filed these guys in and out. They're not uh, violent criminals. Yeah. The yeah. silver lining, though, it's nice to see him bringing his boy into the family business, teaching him some life skills. Uh, yeah. I'd like to see that. Teach him how to steal cars. And- <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and fix them up. And yeah. fix them up. Was this his first offense on the GTA? Uh, no, if you go through Lonnie's criminal record, it's a mile long. So he's a big talk- repeat offender then. We talked about him last week getting arrested for something. It wasn't Grand Theft Auto, but I think receiving stolen parts or something. No. something. Well, he had been arrested. He did jail time in Germany for rape. That's right. There was that yeah, to start. There, but yeah. I thought there was something else. Maybe not. I forgot about the rape one, though, too. But you go through his rap sheet, and it's just assault, theft, uh, there was one incident where he pulled a woman into the car, a sex worker into his car, and it was like this big fight. Somebody broke it up and pulled Lonnie out of the car and punched him in the face. Mm. But there was nothing really done about it. You know, it's all just somehow Lonnie got slaps on the wrist every time. It was just allowed to go about yeah, clearly what he was doing. And that's, you know, from 93 until we talk about him showing back up in 2000. That's all he did was break the law. He was just in trouble nonstop throughout all those years. But he was also the nicest man in the neighborhood based on the documentary. He would help people Mr. fix their cars for free because yeah. he had all the stolen parts on the grass. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Robin Hood, more or less. Yeah. Eh, I get down with that. As long as it wasn't my car I stole. <laughs> then it's not okay. That's right. <laughs> That's we draw the line. <laughs> I draw the line at my car. Lonnie shows back up on December 28th, 2000, 
he claimed two more victims, Georgia Thomas, age 43, and Cheyenne Berthemue, age 15, on March 19th, 2002. Now, those are the only two we know for sure. But the first kid? Yeah. Hmm. Seems different. I think it's just sex workers. Some of them end up being really young. Yeah, I suppose. He ain't got a new gun, huh? Doesn't seem very smart. No. Mike would have got a new gun. <laughs> Probably if I was going to do a, a serial crime. Yeah. Maybe. Not hold on to it for like 20 years. Certainly would be a better criminal than a lot of these people we talk you about. You would. We had a lot of bad criminals. I would try to be a good one. I'd try to be a. a I'd give it my, my hardest good. effort. Yeah. <laughs> on December 22nd, 2002, Lonnie got busted again for stealing a car. And on January 14th, 2003, he pled not guilty. In April of 2003, Lonnie was sentenced to a little under two years in prison for Grand Theft Auto, but he was released again due to overcrowding, and he pretty much immediately killed again. On July 11th, 2003, Lonnie murdered 35-year-old Valerie McCorvey, same MO as all the other victims. Is anyone saying, hey, this guy might be back at this point? Were they doing ballistics and matching him? Or were they not even recalling that this took place 10 years ago? No one's recalling that this even took place until mm. Detective Kilcoin that we're going to get okay. into in a bit. So they didn't even put any of it together. No, these are just sex workers that were dead. Same as last time. Yeah. Mm. Could be anything. Pimps, you know, they're not they're not thinking it's a serial killer linked back. Yeah. Well, I heard pimping's not easy at all, so that's probably why they thought that. It's funny. I heard that too. Did you? Yeah. That's a common saying, I think. Hmm. WWE taught me that back in uh, sixth grade. <laughs> I think we found my 500th episode tattoo. Pimping ain't easy. That's it. We don't really know what Lonnie was up to after he got out of jail early this time. I think it's safe to assume he's probably doing all the stuff we've been talking about the past two weeks. Just would be a good bet. I take that. Bet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's based off the hundreds of pictures of women found in stolen cars after he was arrested for this stuff. In 2005, there were two victims that aren't officially linked to Lonnie, but law enforcement fully believes that he was responsible. A yellow marshal, age 18, was last seen on February of 2005. Her body has never been found, but her school ID card was found in Lonnie's garage. And Rolina Morris, age 31, she was last seen on September 5th, 2005. Her body has never been found, and... Her Nevada driver's license, along with pictures of her unconscious and nude, were found in Lonnie's garage. In most cases, I would say that that's kind of proof positive. But like based on that documentary, he seemed to be associated with all of the sex workers in the neighborhood and partied with all of them. And it had pictures of of everyone. So I don't know. Yeah, hundreds of photos. Hundreds. It's just yeah. shoeboxes. So. It's the ones where they look unconscious that are the terrifying ones. Jesus, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So based on the fact that he, I don't think he killed all those people, right? He like just partied no. with some of them, had sex with some of them. So I don't think it's just an automatic that it was him that did it just because he had those pictures. To be clear, Dave still thinks he's guilty. Oh, yeah. He's just saying yeah. right now he doesn't think he killed hundreds upon hundreds of women. Doesn't seem like it. But I think that's got to be part of the the game or like the cover of, you know, blending in like anthony soul did that he mm -hmm. he hung out with a bunch of sex workers yeah. they all knew him very well he didn't kill all of them and, th and that's what i mean just because he had those pictures of them 
for any other case, you'd be like, well, yeah, he probably killed him, but I'm saying in this case, yeah. maybe not necessarily. Yeah. And I think we, some... we touched on that last week, too. We talked about how he was friends with them, a part of the community, and compared him to Sowell. And hated him at the same time. Right. In 2007, the Grim Sleeper case got a break, which was a lot like the Ricky Ross thing, with events taking place almost at the same time. First, on January 1st, 2007, Janisa Peters, age 25, was found murdered. Same MO as all of Lonnie's previous victims. Second, we get the classic super cop that shows up in a lot of these serial killer stories. Detective Dennis Kilcoin went over all the evidence from the previous Southside Slayer task force, and he pushed his superiors to form a new task force. He finally made the connection. Yeah, and it's not like he was just going through the old case stuff and... Being like, like a go-getter, like just taking old files off, being like, I'm going to look through these. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds very familiar. Detective Kilcoin felt that the killer was still out there, and with advancements in technology, he could catch him. After a lot of pushing, Detective Kilcoin got his way, and the 800 task force was formed. It was led by him, and there were five detectives under him. And third, LA Weekly reporter Christine Palasek found out about the 800 task force and reported on it. She exposed everything, how the LAPD knew that there was a serial killer in the area since back in the 80s and never told anyone. She exposed the fact that a 911 call was made regarding the murder of Barbara Ware. That could have been played to the public. You know, maybe it was even Lonnie that called in. I think it might have been. Someone could have recognized his voice, but for some reason, 20 years had passed. That, That never got released. That was the guy who was like, oh, no, I know too many people. And then yeah, hung yeah. up and asked what his name yeah. was. The fact that Anitra Washington was never told that she was a survivor of the Grim Sleeper. Christine Pelsick was the one who told her. And in a lot of cases, Christine was the one who informed most of those families that their daughters had been killed by a serial killer. Amazing. And Detective Kilcoin, he sat down with all the families. They went to uh, a church and he sat down and just kind of took it from everybody. Like that 20 years of fuck ups that everybody else did, he just yeah. let them all kind of yell at him, tell him, you know, what a piece of shit he was and stuff like that. And he wasn't anything to do with the original investigations, right? No. Like he, mm-hmm. and this was 20 years later. So yeah. he wasn't even just like a, a parole officer or anything at the time. No. Or patrol officer, excuse me. So he just took it and let everybody voice, you know, get their frustrations out. And then he's like, here's what I want to do. And then, you know, laid out his plan to to try and solve the case to yeah, all the families. Good for him. He didn't have to do that either. No. You know, he could have done what the mayor and everybody else had done when this all this broke was. So I'm going to go fuck themselves. Yeah. yeah. But this probably buys at least a little bit of goodwill, I guess, if you need help moving this thing forward. Right. And so. he can kind of say, like, you know, I know you're mad and you can hate me, but I wasn't there, you know, type thing, kind of to shield it a little bit. Is he going on the Mount Rushmore of super cops from the Necronomapod show? Who do we have other than what, Ray Biondi? Yeah, he, fucking, about- he caught Richard Chase within like 48 hours. Yeah. <laughs> I just read that the sheriff who caught Gary Ridgway is running for governor, Senate, something. Was he a super cop? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to say yes, because we can think of two people. Okay. Beyondy and Kilcoin. <laughs> I'm sure there's somebody else that I mean, we're forgetting, but. 
beyond you will forever be the super cop. Yeah. Caught a serial killer in 48 hours. Yeah. Necronomapod is sponsored by BetterHelp. Take a second to think about how much time you spend on yourself in a given week. Now compare that to the time you spend on others. It's easy, isn't it? To get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. Meanwhile, you're never taking a moment to think about your own needs. Getting that late night call from a distressed friend, taking care of a sick child, or helping coworkers who are slammed with work. Assisting the people around us is important. But when we all spend our, all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Therapy is all about giving your mental health the self-care it deserves. Because sometimes we don't set aside enough time to focus on improving ourselves, being too busy focusing on improving those around us. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey to better balance in your life from wherever you are. So, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. It's time to find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Necro today and get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Necro. Regarding the 2007 murder of Janisa Peters, saliva was found on her breast and collected as evidence. It was ran through all available databases, but it didn't turn up anything. Detective Kilcoin had the sample compared to other samples taken back in the 80s, and it was linked to the Grim Sleeper murders. So now not only were the victims all killed by the same 25 caliber handgun, Detective Kilcoin knew for 100% based on DNA, that they were all killed by the same person. He just needed to figure out how to match that DNA to somebody. It's coming together, Kilcoin. Nice work so far. He's got this. He worked nonstop on the case along with the detectives he was leading. But by 2010, with no leads, the 800 task force had their budget cut, and uh, two of the detectives under Kilcoin had been reassigned to other cases. Every once in a while, Kilcoin would push to have the killer's DNA ran through every database available, which that cost money and resources. Um, so it was kind of hard for him to get that done. It's not something you can just do every week yeah. or every Hey, month. run it again, run it again, run it again. Those are NHI cases, Kilcoin. We're not spending any money to <laughs> Settle run Settle the fuck down. In the summer of 2010, Kilcoin got the approval to have the forensics lab run the killer's DNA. And on June 30th, 2010, Kilcoin got a match. The DNA matched to Lonnie's son, Christopher. Christopher was arrested for felony possession of a firearm, and in 2004, L.A. passed a new law where all felony offenders were required to have their DNA taken. So Lonnie missed that by a year, because if that was a year before, they would have had his DNA from 2003. How about that? So, like, when, when they bring him in for a felony, they just, like, throw him in a cell and tell him to jerk off and go <laughs> Like, we're keeping this now, so you better behave. Kilcoin knew that there was no way Christopher would have been responsible for murders back in the 80s, so the only person that left was Lonnie. Kilcoin just needed to make sure that Christopher wasn't mentioned in any of the reports regarding the Grim Sleeper case. Christopher himself wasn't under investigation for the murders, 
and the laws regarding familial DNA testing in criminal cases is super touchy. It's still really a new practice, even today. If Christopher's name was mentioned in those reports about the Grim Sleeper case, it could result in a potential mistrial later down the line. The reports could say that Lonnie was a suspect based on familial DNA. It just couldn't say who that family member was. Well, it wasn't the wife. She's at church. She's not out yeah. killing folks. That only leaves Lon. Did it, were there other brothers and sisters? I don't remember. I think there was an uncle. Like Christopher. Like DNA it could have been. Like that at that matching at that level. Yeah. Like an uncle would be different, right? A brother. Science talk. <laughs> choo, 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 choo. I'm pretty sure Lonnie had a brother because there was oh, okay. it like came down to two and yeah. Oh, okay. Well. Need Bill Nye here to explain this to us. <laughs> On July 2nd, 2010, Detective Kilcoin was approved to order 24-hour surveillance of Lonnie and pick up anything he threw away or dropped that could be used to, to test his DNA. On July 4th, they watched as Lonnie left his home at 2 a.m. and slowly drove around the south side of L.A. When Lonnie got to Western Avenue, he drove past two sex workers three times. I came around the block three different times before pulling over to talk to them. The detectives called Kilcoin and asked what to do because they're like, if he picks one of them up, he could just kill him right away. Yeah, real quick. Kilcoin said, don't blow the cover. And he called a marked LAPD cruiser to come over and flash its lights at Lonnie, to which Lonnie just took off. Yeah. Guy was on the job. Those girls got lucky, huh? The next day on July 5th, police watched Lonnie leave his house around noon and he went to pick up his girlfriend, Sonia, the one we talked about on part one. Remember, he had four different, like, full-time girlfriends. Ladies, man. Yeah. He liked the Punani. <laughs> and doing murders. So wrong with That's, that? Is that not an honest life to lead? Look, a guy can have more than one hobby, right? He liked cars. Multifaceted. Putting them together, <laughs> stealing them. He liked women's bodies, banging them, killing them. It was complicated. He was a renaissance man. <laughs> We're being too nice to this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I heard he wrote poetry sometimes on the side. <laughs> Back in his Winnebago in the backyard. They, we'll, get, we'll get to his poetry when we talk about uh, how he describes these women and their bodies with the police. I'm the grim sleeper, yeah. and you ought to know. You fuck with me, and I'll kill a hoe. <laughs> That's a direct poem, right? Yeah, absolutely. How come Bagans didn't have that in his Pronto Museum? I have a signed copy of that. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> they followed Lonnie as he drove Sonia and her two daughters to a birthday party that was going on at a pizza place, kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, I love Chuck E. Cheese. Well, this is like a Chuck E. Cheese, though, well, Dave. Discount we'll Chuck E. Cheese, probably. Yeah. I haven't been to Chuck E. Cheese in a long time. I, I, they, I don't even know where their one is. There's, There's one out here sort of by us, kind of, sort of. There's one out in Parma, too. Yeah, Parma and Akron. That Parma one is wild. It's wild out there. <laughs> yeah. A couple days after I was there was when that fight broke out and the manager got his ass beaten. It was on the news with the security <laughs> camera footage. Yeah. yeah. Over, All like kind of people extra, getting beat up. <laughs> three extra tickets so you can get a glow-in-the-dark spider ring. Was <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese everywhere? Do people have any idea what the fuck we're talking about? Oh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. I think it's nationwide. Okay. Yeah. I just didn't know if we needed to explain Chuck E. Cheese, but I think people get it. Plus, they had beer, too, which was great. 
Yeah, you can drink there. You need I, to drink The there. last time I was there, I was like six. So that, yeah. <laughs> I have not been. That's why your parents <laughs> wanted to have beer to put up with your Maybe ass. So. <laughs> I just remember doing the, like, jump, doing wrestling moves in the ball pit. Like, that was my <laughs> shit. And if I wasn't doing that, I was doing skee ball, and that was it. Yeah, skee ball's fun. I still like skee ball. We yeah, were playing yeah. that in Indianapolis last yeah, year when we went. That's that always fun. Yeah. So Detective Archstone was the one watching Lonnie at this time. And he went to the manager of the pizza place and laid out the situation. There's a guy eating here. I need something from him after he throws it out. The manager gave Detective Stone a pizza uniform and Stone started bussing tables. Now, they didn't know Lonnie was going here. They, they're doing this on the fly, right? This is all on the fly. It's amazing. Putting, all, putting that plan together real quick like that. Good yeah. stuff. Detective Stone worked around the restaurant like any other employee and eventually got around to Lonnie. Stone asked Lonnie if he was done, to which Lonnie said, yeah, and handed over his plate, cup, and utensils, which was more than enough to get a DNA sample. Two days later, Kilcoin had the confirmation he needed. Lonnie was 100% the grim sleeper, so he was arrested and charged with 10 counts of murder, one count of attempted murder, and special circumstance allegations of multiple murders. Got him. Excellent police work. Yeah, not bad. Within three years, got him. Yeah. I think the place they were at was called Chad E. Cheese. <laughs> like, come to this pizza place, Chad E. Cheese. <laughs> Lonnie completely denied everything. He was always very emotionless. Afterwards in the trial, he never looked at anybody, just stared forward, never talked about anything. But in the transcripts of the interrogation, he makes these weird comments about the victim's appearances. Like, they would put down a picture of the victim. Kill Coin mm -hmm. put out a picture, and, like, one of the victims was like, do you know her? And he'd say, no, she's fat, but I don't know her. Mm. Uh, like, just calling them ugly, fat, really childlike like, names, too. But, like, also implying that he knew them. No, just based off the picture. Just, oh, just based off yeah, the Yeah, like, oh, she's fat, I wouldn't know her kind of thing. All right. Kind of gross. Lonnie's trial started on February 16th, 2016. So they knew that he was the grim sleeper based on DNA, but there, there was a bunch of other interesting evidence they found in his house. There was a big challenge to that DNA, right? Of how, like they, got how they got it. They yeah. tried to get that tossed out, I recall, but, but they did not. Once he throws it away, you can't say that you still. That's what, yeah. Yeah. But what would happen even if they threw it out they can just test his dna now and match it like they don't they don't really need that is right. admissible right they yeah. probably didn't but wanted to keep it just to be safe just yeah. to have yeah. yeah i believe they used the same argument in um the golden state killer case because mm -hmm. they got his off a piece of gum oh yeah that he just spit out or threw mm -hmm. away or something yeah and that's, 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 that's such a that's a really stupid argument to try and you're make. not gonna win that one. yeah like saying that, like you don't, it's a free game at that point. It's a fucking yeah. piece of trash. Just like the killer himself. <laughs> <laughs> so Lonnie's garage was like a hoarder's garage full of cars, garbage, all kind of random stuff. They found 20 cameras and 15 cell phones with cameras and over a thousand pictures of women. A thousand pictures. It's a, it's a, a variety of physical Polaroids, digital photos on those cameras. Didn't, I had a question. When they busted him for the Grand Theft Auto stuff, like that was at his house, right? All the stolen parts. Didn't they search that garage? I wonder if they 
That's a good question. Just didn't come across it, ignored it, wasn't relevant to... Who was the, what was the car accident that went into that guy's garage? And they never like searched the garage. Jerry there, was, there was the body <laughs> shed hanging. when he, yeah, yeah, the body was like hanging right there. Yeah. They left a note for him yeah. and said, sorry. Hey Jerry, uh, give us a call. We'll fix this for you. They probably, I, I don't know. I could see a scenario where those pictures were found. And maybe the cops asked him like, what's all those pictures about? And he's like, oh, I just, you know, women I meet. Yeah. And maybe not push it any further. Why wouldn't that be something? In most of the pictures, the women were nude, sometimes unconscious, sometimes they were conscious. They found a section of drywall in the garage that looked different than the rest of the wall. And sure enough, inside was one single photograph of survivor, Anitra Washington. She was nude and unconscious. It's just weird. That's when he shot in the car. She got away. But it, it was just her picture alone in the wall. It's odd. The one that got away. In a mini fridge, they found a nude picture of Lonnie's last victim, Janisa Peters. She was smiling in the picture, so presumably she was one of the victims Lonnie paid to take pictures before he killed her. And his friends talk about that in the documentary, that he had that van that was set up where he would take pictures of women. Yeah. And that dude had a ton of pictures, too. He, he had, did. His, he had own his own shoebox. <laughs> What's going on out there? <sighs> This guy had no fear of being caught at all, like just to keep all of that evidence around. None. After that long and that not getting caught for any yeah. of that, though, you're invincible. And it's just thrown in with all the other shit. It's not like it's organized or, or anything. hidden. Yeah. Police found a VHS case with $10,000 in cash inside and another $7,000 in a lockbox. Around those items were tons of women's lingerie, and a notebook with copies of Miranda rights in it, which led police to believe that Lonnie posed as a police officer for some of his crimes. They found tons of twenty-five caliber bullets that were all the same brand as the ones in the Grim Sleeper murder. So he never strayed away even from the brand over all those years. Amazing. I have like 20 grand in cash and a VHS copy of <laughs> Forrest Gump upstairs because who's ever going to want to watch that piece of shit? <laughs> No one's ever going to find that money. <laughs> Only one of the top 10 greatest movies of all time, Dave. But hey, everyone else is wrong. Usually, yeah. I own that on VHS, by the way. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I have no doubt. I mean, I don't have I it with you. Or. I don't even have DVDs anymore, but somewhere in boxes is a VHS copy of that. <laughs> and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> is that the Kevin Costner one? Yeah. And Big Trouble in Little China. Well, Trying to think of VHS. Finally a good movie here. Here we go. Now we're talking. You don't like Prince of Thieves either? I That's love okay. that movie. I don't know if it holds up. Kevin Costner's British accent's not all that believable. His accents in every movie are so bad. <laughs> well, uh, what's the one? The um, Cuban Missile Crisis. 13 Days? Is that what it is? Where he's uh, Kennedy's, Kenny O'Donnell, Ken Kennedy's advisor. I, I think it's that, that he does ago. like a Boston accent at the beginning, and you're like, I'm not going to make it through this movie. <laughs> Luckily, it gets better. But yeah, he's not very good with the accents. No. They're not that hard, honestly. <laughs> Maybe you should be his voice actor. More, right? <laughs> like just dub over. Overdub Kevin Costner's accent. Park the car in the Harvard Yard. How hard is it? I'm not kidding. That's how it sounds in, in 13 days at the beginning. 
<laughs> I might have to try to find a clip of this when we pause here in a bit. Let's see if I can. On May 5th, 2016, after three months of a trial and a day and a half of jury deliberation, Lonnie was convicted on all counts, and a month later, he was sentenced to death. On March 28th, 2020, Lonnie was found dead in his cell. As of today, while we're recording this episode, Lonnie's cause of death and the results of the autopsy have not been publicly released, but it was stated by California state officials that there were no signs of physical trauma. It's a little weird. I don't know. How old was he? 60-some? Maybe it was COVID. COVID got him. Maybe it was. Maybe it's just natural causes. But then why wouldn't they release that? That's weird. It is weird that they just won't to release like it. shut people up. Uh, he uh, he was sixty seven. Okay. Could have been a heart attack. Could have been some illness. But I don't know why you wouldn't say that. Yeah, it's just odd that they that it's been two years or going three years and died of a broken heart, perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> We, and we don't really know about his jail time or anything. He always stayed quiet and mm. wasn't a talker. So you got San Quentin. I think that's where everyone who's on death row in California goes, right? Sounds right. Yeah, yeah. He was in San Quentin, and that's the end of uh, that's the end of the Grin Sleeper. Lonnie was convicted of ten murders and the rape and kidnapping and attempted murder of Anitra Washington. The FBI and a lot of other members of law enforcement fully believe that Lonnie never went to sleep, like his nickname suggests, and that he probably murdered over 25 victims. The LAPD released 180 of Lonnie's pictures of women to the public to try and help locate them. Of the 180, detectives were only able to add six additional victims to Lonnie's potential victim pool. The most of them remain unknown. They're really creepy pictures to scroll through. Some of them are unconscious. You don't know if they're dead, dead or alive. Or drugged or what, yeah. They show a ton in that documentary, too. Yeah, they're still available online. You know, they keep them up if anybody mm. happens to be able to identify them. But oh, it's really sad. 180 pictures and most of them just nobody knows who know. they are. Yeah. Just... I thought the documentary was interesting. I got a feel for how things are in the neighborhood and the victims and things like that. And his friends and... Kind of the shenanigans they were up to, right? You just got an inside yeah. feel of what was going on. I love Nick Broomfield. As a, I love his documentaries. He's got giant balls. Yeah, I'll tell you that. He gets down there. Tales of the Grim Sleeper, right? Available. You could rent it on YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He also did the Eileen Warnos documentaries. Okay. Yeah. I've seen that one. Remember all the, all the audio clips that you hear of her. It all comes from him. Yeah. Really. The one of the best. Not. I mean, it was the best part. One of the best parts of that documentary is when he's interviewing Lonnie's friend, and the gunshots start going off, and Nick Broomfield's not moving, and Lonnie's friend's like, "We better get out of here." Yeah. And he wasn't ready to leave. Mm-hmm. He's like, "No, I'm getting my fucking interview." And what was the uh, what was the woman that was helping him? Pam. Pam's that her name? I believe it's yeah. Pam. Yeah, Pam was awesome. She was doing good for herself. She said she was four years sober. She had her own apartment. Yeah. 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 Like a little house, it looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She should have got a producer credit for that, hopefully. Anything else on this one? You know, anything else you found or saw that was interesting or? Uh, the book by Christine Pelsick was really good. What was that? Yeah. Do you know what that's called? It's called The Grim Sleeper. Oh, okay. Um, the Hunt? Is it The Hunt for the Grim Sleeper? 
She says Grim Sleeper real big on mm, yellow yeah. letters. It's. I was reading an interview with her about this, yeah. It's a lot of, um, like, the first half of the book is all about the victims, pretty much. There's yeah. a, more about the victims than anything else. So it's it's good. She was, you know, close with a lot of those families. and She helped give attraction. Yeah. The book by Christine Pelisic is called The Grim Sleeper, The Lost Women of South Central. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That right? Yep. Yeah, it's good. It's worth reading. It's available hardcover on Amazon right now. It's cheaper than paperback. Wow, that never happens. Both under seventeen dollars. So, or any local bookstore in your area may have it. You can ask them. So go support local bookstores. Yeah, they'll be out of business soon if you buy it on Amazon. Right. Then where are you left? But you can buy it on Amazon. It could be at your doorstep by the time you wake <laughs> up tomorrow. And that's kind of nice. All right. Yeah. We good. Anything else, Dave, on your end? No, I think it's just a case study in how poor people and some members of society are treated. I don't know what else you can say about it. The familial DNA thing is interesting. I think you're going to start catching a lot more people with that, especially with the the ancestry and all these different things that are popping up. And you're going to get, you know, your dumb fourth cousin's going to get his ancestry <laughs> tested and it's going to fucking lead back to you. <laughs> Crimes you were committing in the 70s and yeah. you know, stuff was unheard of. The laws are all still really new with that, too. It's interesting to think about, yeah. What you need a warrant for and things like that. Yeah. You know, if it's out there in the public domain, what are you going to do? You're not going to run from it. That, that can't really, escape it. It really kicked off with BTK. Remember his daughter was in college she had to give a sample for oh, a nursing yeah. thing and it ended up coming back to him <laughs> that's the first time i can think of a lot more to come there yeah it's been a lot of uh heavy content we've had the last few weeks uh next week we'll, we'll go a little lighter a little not, lighter not going to give it away because card subject to change but uh be a little bit more laid back next week a little mass hysteria all right that's next always week. fun yeah. Just like the uh, Bauna show we released recently on Patreon. I found that while researching uh, that show. That's right. I'm like, I'm going to put that in my back pocket for a full episode. Right. A week later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need that back pocket. <laughs> uh, well, the Mass Hysteria episode is available at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. At the $5 level, you can listen. At the $10 level, you could watch us as we recorded it uh, a few weeks oh, ago. Yeah. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. All right, Dave, what do you got for uh, Patreon? Thank you to new patrons, Ryan Santa Maria, Davis Family, 666 Chan, Tiffany Johnson, Donovan Beaver, William Mitchell, or Ian Snickering from the Beaver. <laughs> I guess say is someone's Beaver name and he's Snickering. I was trying to think or, for a second if there was some kind of joke. It almost sounded like it. you were saying dive in, dive in a Beaver. <laughs> Just the way you said it. You never know what these people's names anymore. That's true. Beaver's a legitimate last name. I apologize, Donovan, for Ian snickering at your name if your legitimate name is Beaver. Mr. Beaver. Sorry, 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 Mr. Mr. Beaver. Diving or Beaver. (laughs) (laughs) Ellen Knox. Amanda Bradshaw. Best name ever. Alicia. Felicia, Dave's sister from another mother. Oh, hey. Jeff Watts. Looking for you. <laughs> I was looking for you on Ancestry. <laughs> Glad I found you. Punch on Patreon instead. Benjamin, Beans and the Beeve. 
Squamph. Galena loves Dave the most. Oh, hey there. Hi. Zesty Fister. <laughs> Zen Zen. Kristen. Patrick Derry. John Yolland. Ica underscore Cure Dad 934. Emma Norum. Mel. Zab Belmay. Michael Pramick. Emma Kolskog. Marinda Forrester. Priscilla Vasquez, Bitch Whiskers, Dequarius Jenkins. I want to be. I want to braid Dave's beard. Well, that might be fun. I don't know. You got enough there yet? It's not really that long currently. All right, give him six months. We'll see you. Maybe next winter. Ice Wallow Cum. <laughs> Dylan Sprecker. I bet Dave will put that on the soundboard. <laughs> he puts our shit, not that one. <laughs> Hello, Mike. This is Mrs. Hildebrandt, governor and chairman of the board of the Bank of Finland. <laughs> she, she keeps getting promotions. <laughs> this lady's going to run the world here soon. Finland? Is that a promotion? Chairman of the board. I don't know. It's a better title. <laughs> Joanne, Michael, and Cuckasaurus Rex. Thank you so much, new patrons. Ian, what do you got? Four iTunes have one for Tickle Tibson. Russian Atlas, Aaron Loves Sam. Uh, this one can, kind of confuses me. It's XT1NA. I don't know what they're trying to say. Like Christina with a Nux? Is that what it is? I don't know. I don't know. Shout out. It's and Christina Aguilera. <laughs> Maybe it is. What's up, girl? <laughs> <laughs> and Rollins Girl. I think I had Rollins Girl last week. She updated hers. Oh, nice. Double up. Yeah. Said to give The Shining another shot, the book. I will not. It's the do one you that. guys both thought was <laughs> dreadful, right? Yeah, she said that I should give it another shot. And a lot of comments about our Stephen King thoughts and how trying to change our minds. Yeah, Just because he likes something doesn't mean we have to. It's okay. I still don't have time to read, should especially I, a Stephen King book. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Should I give a Stephen King book a shot and see what we think? And if so, which book do I actually dive in in? Uh, was there a good one? Did we talk? We might have talked about this already. Was there one like I mean, I Cujo or something like that? I've read The Dead Zone. I thought The Dead Zone was good. Salem's Lot's good. I think I've not read most of them though. It's like a, like a book a month with that guy, right? Like he's just pops them out. Yeah, he's got a lot. All right, well, we'll put a pin in that. Maybe I won't. Uh, you got any international? No, I don't have anything. All right. Um. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, the talk tick at Necronomapod. We might have to check out this new, what is it, threads for Instagram? Is that what it's called? Yeah. It's like Instagram's new Twitter, but it's linked to your Instagram account. So we already have the name. We just got to sign up. We'll see. We'll, we'll get there. We'll do we're, it. we're old guys. We don't know how to do the social medias. <laughs> um, As old as Declan, though. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't even let him have social medias, really. If he does, it's behind my back, at least. <laughs> um, He's got one of those consumer cellular phones for old people. He just uses, he can use a, the computer we gave him, though, but it's really old. Like <laughs> Macintosh 100 or something. We um, only give him a Nokia phone. <laughs> <laughs> he has Snake, and that's it. It's the only game on there. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Amazon.com for all the merch. And Necronomapod.com. We still got that sticker sale. 
Dave, Dave oh, forgot. I better turn it off. <laughs> yeah, we'll, give him, we'll give him through Sunday at least. It's fine. So they can listen to this now and get that sticker. Three pack for $7.04. Price triples on Monday. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>